0: us go. Here we are, folks. Here we are. Sunday at one o'clock, the Colts and the Jags. They will kick at Lucas Oil Stadium, the 2023 season. Underway Fox kick, by the way. Yeah. Fox kickoff. I think the first two weeks, if I'm not mistaken. So definitely check your TV listings with uh, AFC, NFC matchups this year. I think they've kind of thrown out the old CBS versus Fox. Uh, Sort of nature to the NFL schedule, but we'll break it all down for you right here Kevin's Corner It is our season preview pod We'll get a Jacksonville focus on it uh, right before Twitter questions And then at the end, Eddie Garrison and I gotta give out some picks We gotta give out some season picks And uh, certainly one for Sunday as well I think last I saw, Jacksonville favored by five in this opener uh, Eddie Garrison, how you doing, man? We, we have made it.
2: Yes, indeed we have. Um want to thank everyone who's in the fantasy football league. We had our draft Monday night. Uh, also, I will put in the description. Great
0: efficiency in that draft. People were in a great rhythm there. <laughs>
2: I felt like it took forever.
0: I, uh, that was sarcastic.
2: I was hoping you were being sarcastic. I couldn't tell if you were being serious or not.
0: So I had a, a draft with my buddy start a half hour after ours started. Oh my! And it ended. So you
2: were multitasking.
0: It ended a half hour before. How'd you do that? Ours and I just had two windows up. Hmm. I had the first pick. I had the last
2: pick in ours, right? Yes. I had the first pick in the other one. And then I I somehow got the first pick in ours.
0: Which was great because I was just like, all right, boom, boom. You know, once I have my two, then I can take a break for, you know, (laughs) three or four minutes and then. Regroup with that. So yes, thank you to you, Eddie, for setting up the league, and thank you to everybody who participated in that. We still have our pick'em league, right? I know. Now.
2: Yes, that's what I was about to say. Um, if you are a watcher on YouTube, I will put the link to join in the description of the YouTube, um, and if I'm smart enough, I'll figure out how to put up a like a card Ooh. within right around this timestamp frame. So um, if you're on YouTube, you can just check the description. You can join that way, um, and then I'll t- I'll put the link out um, when I tweet out the pod cool. as well. So.
0: Cool, cool, cool. I appreciate you doing that. Um, again, a lot to get to on today's pod like we usually do in the regular season. The Wednesday pod will have you know, that, that Sunday focus to previewing the upcoming game. Obviously, this is our only pod of the week uh, coming off the holiday weekend, so we'll also get a little big picture just overall season preview. Uh, but our goal during the season will be kind of late Monday morning. We will Record the review pod of what just happened, and then we'll come back uh, with a Wednesday afternoon. i um, like to get through at least the first practice day, hear from Shane Syke and hear from Anthony Richardson, and uh, give you a little bit of a shorter pod. This one will probably be a little bit longer, but um, a little bit shorter on Wednesday than what we typically go on Monday.
2: Um, you want to tackle six answers for the season first or you want to do a brief recap of practice from today how you want to handle it?
0: Well I, I would say before we get to like the six answers, Eddie i I think this is just like my general thought you know whatever 72 96 hours before kickoff of i I do genuinely mean this I think this is a really exciting time to be a Colts fan um the last time we were previewing a game, Eddie, I mean think about it it was okay. These are the draft scenarios, and you had a coach that you took off TV, and people were like, Oh my gosh, is he going to get the head coaching job? And you know, Matt Ryan couldn't throw the ball from me to your microphone. And yeah. um, now you've gotten modern. I think you've gotten serious. Um, I think you've tried to create real hope. And you know, it, it, it's funny. I, I go back to Rick Carlisle um, at the end of the I think actually, this is the Tyrese Halliburton. Um, let me text Maddie here just a second. She just called me.
2: Um, I do agree with you. It's like the Tyrese Halliburton effect, you know, a very young, energetic, exciting player that can bring fans into the building. Yes. And it's he's an easy guy to, like, root for as well. He, he is. And I want to get to
0: Richardson's story a little bit more in, in just a second. But the Carlisle um, analogy that I was going to make, Eddie, is, yes, to your point, you know, Halliburton, the injection of life he's given that that fan franchise speaks for itself. But what Carlisle had mentioned at Halliburton's contract extension press conference was how dark of a place the Pacers franchise was in prior to that trade. They, they really had no direction. And I would argue that the Colts' direction each of the last few years has been like, Oh, wait, the ceiling is right there. Like, the ceiling, I can just grab it. It's right next to me. I'm grabbing my backpack right now. It's close. The floor might be high, but the ceiling is not very far away. Whereas now, you have theoretically created a ceiling to where one day you could get to what you saw in the AFC last year. Of these seven teams in the playoffs, all with quarterbacks under the age of 27. All of them have been drafted by their respective franchises, and you just aren't trying to resurrect the quarterback for the, what, fourth straight year? I mean, that's what you were trying to do. In in some way, shape, or form, with Rivers, with Wentz, and Ryan, you were trying to say, nope, uh, the gas that was in the tank at the previous stop, we're going to put better fuel in that tank. And it just never worked out. And even if it did work out, it's not like you would create anything long term. You would maybe create what you got out of, you know, rivers in that COVID season of yeah, making the playoffs as a wild card team. But yeah, you were very competitive against Buffalo in that game. But th- you know, that was not a team that was going to get on some deep playoff run. Um, so sure, we have to be upfront with expectations. A- and I did think Eddie, and shout out to my co-host Andy Sweeney in the mornings here in Indianapolis. He made a really good point earlier today about how. You know, evaluating Richardson, evaluating wins and losses, you know, those will be the first two points I think a lot of people go to this season. But, I mean, we can still evaluate a lot of position groups through that lens of, you know, how playoff caliber are you? Because, I mean, O-line needs to be like that. These are massive seasons for your defensive line. What is Shaq Leonard at this point of his career? What is Kenny Moore? after last season, we can we can still evaluate individuals and position groups in a different lens than Richardson. I, I think that will be something that we have to do. Um, so here you are. I mean, you got a potential at quarterback who stresses the defense, and the Colts haven't had a quarterback who stressed. I mean, honestly, the only thing the Colts quarterback has done lately is stressed fans more than stressed an opposing defense. And sure, there'll be moments where Richardson probably stresses you out as a fan, but at the same time, he actually makes a defensive coordinator think. I mean, listening to Doug Peterson today at his press conference describe the challenge with Richardson, <laughs> it's out a little different than opposing teams getting ready for the Colts lately. And now it's mold, support, develop, all those things. I think in years past, Eddie, you had to hit you know, 15 singles mm-hmm. to score three runs. You had oh, to play yes. small ball like none other. And now you have an ability to play a little bit more in the big park. And we'll see how it all evolves. And I think for the most part, fans are really open-minded to this. You know, (laughs) when you have to watch 60 Minutes of Football week in and week out and the losses do potentially start to pile up, maybe that'll change. But I do think fans understand the path that the Colts have gone down here. And maybe this is a little tease for... The end of the pod, but I, I don't think the win total is going to be as low as you know, some people believe. I, I, I know there are—for you know, we, example, we've had Greg Doyle and Bob Kravitz on our morning shows this week, and they've both thrown out two and three wins, and I, I, I don't think it's going to be that low. But uh, we can hold off on that. So I guess before I got into kind of the six storylines to keep an eye on this season, Eddie, I do think just from a big-picture view— Um, You are you should be out of place as a fan um, to feel some hope, and I don't think you felt. And if you felt it, you knew in the back of your mind it was short term; it wasn't going to last. You weren't going to have this thing that potentially was going to be a five to seven year pattern of okay, yeah, we are a legit team in this conference, and we have staying power in this conference. Yeah, Um, you've got a long way to go to create that staying power, but if you do get there, theoretically, you should have it for. You know, a decent amount of time. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be fun to see Trevor Lawrence and uh, Anthony Richardson be a headliner for like a primetime game eventually, you know? Sure, sure, uh, the, sure. The AFC South, two young quarterbacks clash against one another uh, Trevor Lawrence and Anthony Richardson. So let's dive into the first. Uh, answer the Colts must find this season you can find the the blog or the website on our uh, on the website you can find the blog on the website 1075 thefancom it's right there on the homepage uh, number one you talked about him growing hope for Anthony Richardson
0: we could talk about Richardson for obviously five hours Eddie but I think it boils down in some capacity Eddie to the accuracy of him Um they need a jump, obviously, from the 44% we saw in the preseason or the 54% you saw at Florida. As I've said, if you can hover at 60, if he can hover around 60, and you don't have gobs and gobs of turnovers, you can live with that. You can live with that. So I think those are something that you have to watch. Because, you know, Eddie, we've seen Anthony Richardson in two-game settings since high school. College, he was 54%. Two preseason games
1: against a bunch of backups – he was 44%. So, that's what we have to Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Go
0: off of now, of course, regular season chain steichen. I think he'll scheme up a whole lot to try and aid that completion percentage. And I go back to the... Opening drive of that Philly game. He did so much well in that Philly game, but the opening drive is a perfect example of you need to hit a single to keep your offense out of the margin for error. By missing that second and 10 throw on the second play of the game, instead of turning that into third and four with the entire playbook wide open, you then said third and 10. What happens on third and 10? The defense pins their ears back. Your offensive line is exposed. The defense can do a whole lot from an exotic standpoint. And it's not a recipe for success at all. So I I would say accuracy. You know, big playability, just making sure it transfers to the NFL level. I think it will, Eddie. Mm -hmm. But let's be honest. The NFL teams are going to be much sounder in their schematic approach to trying to take away some of the off-script stuff. I fully expect, I don't know if it's Devin Lloyd or Floyd, you know, go ahead and pronounce his last name for me. I don't know how they'll go about spying Anthony Richardson, but I would think week in, week out, you're going to see some spy, particularly on third downs against Richardson. So, you know, Shane Sagan said today he's got some superpowers outside of the pocket in creating some of those big plays. You know, does that, is that still there I think it will be, but again, just the abundance of that. Obviously, the vertical passing game. You know, I think he's got beautiful touch down the field. You got to make sure that you hit on some of that. And this goes back to a big reason why you don't need him at sixty eight percent. Yeah. But if he's going to be at sixty, the big plays have got to be there. He's got to hit forty five home runs in a season, fifty five home runs in a season. You can't have twenty seven homers and you're batting two thirty two. You can bat two thirty two. But you gotta hit fifty. That's uh, that, that's kind of where I'm at. Obviously, the uh, the unscripted situations. You throw an interception. How do you respond? You're down four with two thirty to go. How do you respond? You're at your own twenty with fifty seven seconds left in the first half. Can you go get a field goal? When do they play Baltimore? They play Baltimore early, right? Yeah. yeah, week four. Okay, you're at you're at Baltimore, week four. That's still you know, kind of a hostile road environment. Yeah. How do you handle that? So those are the things of just the, you can't script it. I go back to, this time last year, Eddie. This time last year, what was Anthony Richardson? He was the Heisman darling after yeah. the first game of the college football season. Yeah. He did the thing against Utah, scores the game-winning touchdown. Boom, it's him against Will Levis. And Anthony would be the first one to tell you this. He was kind of shitting his pants getting ready for that for that Kentucky game. I mean, oh, he,
2: he knew Kaffin. it. And then, and then we got a shit drop here, Kevin? We, we, are we going away from the family program aspect here? I
0: still, can't believe. I still here? can't believe the Jake Funk. You know, I saw him out there on special teams today. on the like, kick return, and I was like, gosh, man, I can't believe I just dropped the hard... F U C and yeah uh, yeah apologies to the to the funk family I almost said it again there, um (laughs) he's getting ready to face Will Levis in Florida week two or and Kentucky week two Richardson's not a dummy he he knew what that game meant and he was terrible in that game Uh, the the game that pitted him against the other big SEC East drafted quarterback you know it's early in the season it's all this Heisman hype et cetera et cetera he's 20 years old and he wilted in that moment. He did not play well. He did not run it well. He did not throw it well. He had turnovers. Just an ugly, ugly performance. So, again, when he gets into some of those moments, and that's it's not just this season. You know, it's also down the road. I mean, there's going to be times where he plays a Week 16 game and there's huge playoff implications on the line. Or, to your point, Eddie, it's him and Trevor Lawrence in a primetime game. Or it's him and C.J. Stroud in a primetime game down the road, how does he handle those things, you know, with his mental coach uh Brett Ledbetter, I mean, those types of interactions that he has, okay, you know, how how do you deal with the fame I mean, that is I guess right now the documentary is just kind of fresh in my mind, but, you know you, you saw how Johnny Manziel handled it you know, how does Richardson handle it, because Richardson's upbringing Eddie, it's just a um it's it, it's a bit of a movie in that I mean they, him and his mom and his little brother had to live in, you know, the the back rooms of, of families growing up and you know, his mom's working multiple jobs and literally she would leave and say to Anthony, and Anthony's little brother, for those that don't know, the age gap's about six or seven years, I wanna say. He's a freshman right now at Westfield High School, which is the high school where Chris Boward's kid went here locally. I mean, he had to watch his brother. I mean, for a long, long hours. That, i mean, taking him to the park and making him dinner, helped him with his homework, those sorts of things. As a high schooler, mm-hmm. you know, even as a junior high, you know, seventh and eighth grader. Um, and Richardson was not always this prized quarterback recruit. I mean, he was kind of, it was a whiteout early on, and then he's pulled into being a quarterback. And it's not like he's going to the five star elite eleven. Camp since he was seventh grader, eighth grader, always groomed to be. Eastside High School in Gainesville is not IMG Academy. It's not modern day high school. It's not, I mean, I was about to say it's not Bishop Sycamore, I guess. That wouldn't make a lot of sense here. But <laughs> how he handles all of this will be, you know, a huge, huge thing to watch. And then lastly, Eddie, I would just say that running balance. It was kind of interesting when I asked him today what his goals were for his rookie season. He mentioned staying healthy a couple of times, and Richardson does not... First off, Shane Steichen doesn't strike me as someone that's going to hide the running ability or protect the running ability of Richardson. Richardson's playing style, to me, does not indicate one that's going to you know, be timid or be hesitant running it, but I did think it was kind of interesting that, that that's what he meant from an individual goal standpoint. But anyways, just that balance, because... There's going to become a point in time, Eddie, where and let me just get this out of the way now. Anthony Richardson's going to get hurt and he's going to miss a couple games, and we will have the debate on that Monday podcast of how much should he run. You know that will obviously be the storyline, and I think with Richardson, what has to happen at some point in his career is to can he become a quarterback that can win games. With his arm and the legs are limited in some capacity. Maybe he's got a sprained ankle, and he's got to be limited to the to the pocket. Maybe a team does a great job spying him. Mm-hmm. And he just cannot be that usual creator runner that he is. How well can he do that? You know, Chris Boward I thought always had a great quote about at some point you've got to deliver from the pocket. You know, Anthony Richardson at 21 would not set the combine on fire at the age of. 31. But if you want to be a guy that thrives in this league for that long, you're going to have to find some other ways to win. And so I'm curious how his game evolves of like the effectiveness of Anthony Richardson does it get to a point where I think Mahomes has really mastered this. Does Mahomes create? Certainly. Does he do things off script? Without question. But I wouldn't call Mahomes like a pure runner. Like, I I don't... and you know, obviously, he's such a gifted thrower. They don't need to, but I don't even know if athletically Mahomes would necessarily do that. I don't. He's not Lamar. He's not Justin Fields. He's not Anthony Richardson, for that matter. Um, can Richardson get to a point where the run aspect to his game is not just like an outright necessity? It's a great weapon and one you can't ignore. But I think those will be things where he just hits some bumps in the road physically, teams, again, start to take care of him a little bit more, uh, how he responds to that. So, again, obviously the Richardson storyline, Eddie, will be dominant. This is the longest one that I'll talk about on today's pod. Uh, Anything else you have to add after I just ranted?
2: That was a good nine and a half minutes. (laughs) Was it? Yeah. Uh, During your your rant there, I was able to do some quick research. Now, I don't know how fully accurate that is uh this is but by my quick research only 27 rookie quarterbacks have completed 60 percent of their passes
0: hmm. it, do we have a number of like how many starts that is at, uh it's a
2: minimum of 14 pass attempts per game
0: okay yeah i you know, you certainly saw Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, Eddie, you know, take big steps and kind of that. Well, I guess Hurts really didn't play a ton as a rookie. Um, but they obviously took some big jumps within their NFL careers, like within that, you know, kind of first to second years typically when it occurs. So, again, what ri- I'm not asking Richardson. He, he, he can't be 44%. No. But what I'm asking is can you hover around 60? And I'm not necessarily saying as a rookie per se. But can you get there at some point, and then you're still mashing it? As long as you're as ma- as long as you're hitting enough bombs, you can more than live with that. More than live with that. I did find this, and this kind of gets into a little bit of the support around Richardson. This is the last thing I'll mention on Richardson, Eddie, before we move on. The NFL put out a stout, I think it was last week. Um, I want to say the number's been 14 rookies have started the season opener in the last decade. I think that's right. 14 rookie quarterbacks have started the opener in the last decade. And the only two that have finished above 500 were Dak Prescott and Mac Jones. And when you think about those two quarterbacks and what they had, I mean Mac Jones had one of the best defenses in the NFL, yeah, a couple of years ago without question. And if you look at what Dak Prescott had when they had their great rookie season, I mean you had Ezekiel Elliott as all pro Zeke I mean, that was that was a rookie year you know 1600 yard rusher Zeke you still had Des Bryant and Jason Witten still somewhat in their primes and Witten obviously just a really reliable target for Dak obviously they've had a very good offensive line and their defense was still a top 5 unit so when you think about what it takes for young rookie quarterbacks to succeed the average win total the average win total is 5 in the last decade, so even with Dak, even with Mac Jones, and unbelievable support around those two, I would argue, particularly Dak. Mac was more on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, there's a lot of great rookie quarterbacks that you would classify on that list that you know only won five, so or, or the average is five there. So, uh, obviously, Richson will be the dominant storyline, understandably so all year long. Uh, but yeah, I got a separate article up on the website, just some things to watch for him. Here this season.
2: How convenient of them to say the last decade because if you leave off 2012, you had two.
0: Andrew and RG3.
2: Yeah. Christian Ponder was close.
0: Brandon Whedon in that draft. Ryan Tannehill in that draft.
2: Oh, goodness. I forgot about those guys. Yeah,
0: you probably had a lot start, honestly.
2: Yeah, I forgot about Brandon Whedon in that one. Yeah. Um, numero two on that website.
1: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
2: article that you just referenced. Jonathan Taylor's Sutro.
0: Yeah, this is obviously the elephant in the room. I, I don't want to harp on it too, too long, Eddie.
2: Harp on it all you want because he's on the fantasy team over here. So, yeah. <laughs> I, on I saw it.
0: that. What round was that again that you took him?
2: I took him in round seven. You did. That was a little. You tried to push my buttons there to to get me
0: to take him. I, was I did. There. So, obviously, week five, Eddie. Um, that's when it comes off the pup list. Does he practice? Does he play? Then October 31st. That's the trade deadline. So, in between week five and October 31st, you've got four games. Is he on the field at all? Practice or game-wise. Like, that's what I'm kind of watching for next. Again, my assumption is you're going to get through the end of the week here and no contract extension for Jonathan Taylor. I assume that means Michael Pittman and Grover Stewart as well. So once that happens, Eddie... Now we're to a situation that really Chris Ballard has never gone through.
2: Now, should that right there be a message to JT simultaneously? Hey, you're not the only guy we're not extending right now. We didn't extend Pitt, and we didn't extend Grove. And you know how outwardly spoken Chris Ballard is about his affection towards Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah, I I think you could say
0: some of that. I also think... Based off of what Shaq Leonard and Braden Smith and Quentin Nelson specifically, what those guys did through their rookie deals, that's more in the Taylor camp. Whereas Grover, this would be what his third contract on the NFL. Yeah, it's he, not a rookie deal. And then more Pittman, so, more so Pitt than yeah. It, but I don't think we can put Pitt in those guys' categories yet. You know, Pitt's yet to what you know be a twelve hundred yard wideout. He's yet to garner any serious Pro Bowl consideration. I like Michael Pittman a lot, but I would have said this to you two months ago. I don't know if Pittman necessarily deserves it. Again, I think if you're not going to extend Taylor, I think you got to get somebody locked up just to have that insurance in place because you never know how the season is going to unfold here. But I think once we get into the season, now we have the late extension for Quentin Nelson that happened back a few years ago, or the late extension for Naheem Hines. that happened just a few nights before the start of the regular season. Once you get there, now what Ballard said last week about, well, we've extended guys at all different points of the offseason. Well, all that's out the window. Because outside of Grover Stewart, nobody got extensions in season out of that rookie contract group there. So again, the, the, the Taylor storyline is going nowhere uh, anytime soon.
2: And number 3, pillar trench positions. I want to start specifically with Quitty Pay because there's been so much offseason discussion about Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor and rightfully so and then you can even loop in Bernard Ryan into that grouping because I think he's gotten a lot of attention as well. Which um,
0: which we'll get to here. Yeah.
2: But I want to start with Quitty Pay specifically because he's somebody that I circled as if I had to put if I had to rank three players that have to prove something this year, I could make the case that Quiddy Pay is number 1 on my list. Yeah,
0: you know, It's funny you say that, Eddie. A question I've asked some of our um, guests we've had on over the past few days and, and week or so is the Colt you're most curious about non-Richardson-Taylor division for this season. And it sounds like you'd put Pay first on that list, maybe. And, and I totally hear you out on it. Um, again, quarterback, wide out, left tackle. D-end, cornerback, those positions mean more than the others in my eyes. So when I'm talking pillar positions, particularly in the trenches, left tackle, defensive end. I mean, I really think that those are two position groups that if you can get an answer of yes on Quiddy Pay and or Bernard Ryman, that does so much for you moving forward. Now, Quiddy, this is a pseudo-contract year. Because following the the third season for first round picks, that's when you have to make the decision on if you pick up that fifth year team option on Quiddy Pay or not. So, you know, next spring you have a decision to make on him, obviously based off this year. Yep. So this is a really important season. I, I, I continue to watch Pay and I think I see power, I see effort. I see a little pop. I don't see anywhere near the amount of pop that I think people thought when he had the, you know, mind numbing testing numbers at his Michigan Pro Day. And remember, that production at Michigan, it wasn't very, you know, all American like from a sack tackle for loss. And, you know, you get in some debates how he was used in Michigan, things like that. So when do we see it? Is this a legit double digit sack guy or is this a guy that's more of a, six, seven sack guy based off effort and you know other sorts of things. Cause if you can have just a dominant edge that, you know, even if you get away from the sack numbers, if you can consistently dial up some pressures off the edge, and now you make a quarterback think twice about getting to that five or seven step drop, if that quarterback thinks he's got to sit a little bit more in the three and five step area, boom, that's where to Force Buckner and Grover Stewart can feast. Yeah. So again, quitty pay, absolutely massive. You could probably throw Dio Dangbo into this group, because it's his third season as well.
2: He doesn't have the fifth-year option. He doesn't have the
0: fifth-year option. Now, he's got one less year. I mean, in five months, Dayo Dengbo is now entering a contract year. It's just wild to think about that. I mean, once he gets through this year three, year four is a contract year for him as a second-round pick. So I think he kind of falls a little bit in this category. And then again, Ryman. Um, If you had to make me choose one of the two, I, I actually think Ryman is the one that I'd probably go with as uh, having a, a future. Um, I might be premature with that. It might be more of a the Colts don't have a whole lot off the edge yeah. from an eye-popping standpoint that I thought Ryman had a pretty good training camp here. Um, but obviously a critical season for him because if you look at the depth chart right now, Eddie, you've got Bernard Ryman at left tackle, you've got Braid Smith at right tackle. Your two backup offensive tackles are a pair of rookies that were drafted on day three. Blake Freeland at right tackle. And Ryan Hayes, who you just claimed last week at left tackle, as a seventh rounder.
2: Because they um they got rid of Dan Skipper off yeah Dan practice Skipper squad. Off the practice squad
0: practice you squad. Know, Arlington Hambright maybe, but again he's still on the practice squad. So your backup tackles right now are two again day three rookies, and we watched a day two rookie last year. And Ryman have some clear growing pains when he got in the lineup. So. um I think your goal right now as a franchise is, I talk about the five premium positions. Obviously, Richardson, you feel good about a quarterback. What else can you enter a draft with and say, we don't need to touch this? Like, Anthony Costanzo gave you that window there for a handful of years where you didn't need to touch yeah. left tackle early in the draft. Yeah. Can you do that again? Can, can you get back to that point where you don't have this urgency with one of those premium spots, so pillar positions, Quitty Pay, Bernard Ryman at their respective spots.
2: Baltimore's week three. I got them and um, the Rams backwards. Ba- uh, Baltimore three, uh, Rams are week yeah, four. Ton
0: of AFC South around all that, right?
2: Yeah, I would say. I mean, was Baltimore the first real test of a you know yeah pass rush threat for Bernard Ryman? But you look uh, at those. I mean, Josh I, I,
0: Allen. I still think. Can give you some some issues here in week one. I don't know. Maybe I've got PTSD from what he's done against the Colts. I know they didn't have a great pass rushing unit last season, but now would it be Will, Will Anderson in week two?
2: Yeah. Now Ryman handled the speed rushers well last year. It was yeah. more of those power guys, yeah. uh-huh. correct? So that's what I'm just kind of trying yeah, to think and, of here. And had,
0: and had a little bit of a weight a weight change. He definitely looks a little bigger to me. Um, I don't think it was a massive like weight gain, probably a little bit more of just a strength focus. But
2: So then yeah. you're probably looking like week four or, or week five against Tennessee when Harold Landry comes to town.
0: Coming off the ACL.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, next one is up. That'll be number four. And I think this is a good one. Uh, very unique, something I don't think anyone has really talked about credit to you for this. Uh, Shane Steichen's plate, you know, obviously him being the head coach uh, and calling the plays and developing the rookie quarterback all simultaneously.
0: You know, it's funny listening to Shane Steichen talk about that. I asked him today, are you curious about anything about yourself heading into Sunday? And like, there has been moments that Shane Steichen behind the scenes has like, talked to himself about how he throws the challenge flag. Like, you have to have the challenge flag hit the ground. If it's in the air... And the play is snapped, it doesn't count. Like it's got to be on the ground. So Shane Steichen is literally like mimicking, you know, just like it's like a golfer dropping, uh, dropping the ball. It used to be you had to drop it from a shoulder length standpoint. Now Nuts. you can drop it from like a knee length standpoint. That's literally what he's doing with with the challenge flag, like working on those moments. But you know, he he admitted there were some times in the preseason where the defense was on the field and he was like, oh geez, I need to pay a little bit more attention to it. And obviously he's got a timeout guy up in the booth and, he, and he's got challenge people up in the booth to help him, but still, you need to be locked in. And it's not just the head coach and play caller responsibilities. There obviously are what? I don't know. Eight to ten guys around the league that do both, that are the head coach and play callers. Maybe not eight to ten, but there, there are certainly a decent amount. Let's just take the two most obvious ones that pop into my head, Andy Reid and Sean McVay. Andy Reid's got who at quarterback? Patrick Mahomes. Sean McVay's got who at quarterback? Matthew Stafford. Shane Steichen's got the project of all projects at quarterback when you're talking about a fourth overall pick. So what you're putting on the Shane Steichen plate is head coach of a 4 win football team from last year with dysfunction out the wazoo. And you're the play caller. And if you go out to a Colts practice, Shane Steichen is with Anthony Richardson uh, pretty much every walking moment. Twelve. Twelve head coaches. Wow. So it's a little bit more. Um, Again, of those twelve, nobody's got this thing at quarterback where you know you need so much development. So Mm -hmm. it's three big, big boxes that Shane Steichen is, is checking here from a head coach to a play caller and to a quarterback where... I don't want to act like you're you're hand holding him week in and week out, but I mean, there's got to be a little bit of element of that early on. Like I know Rosie Bowen can walk, but I'm still going to hold that hand yeah. when we're crossing the street right oh, now. Oh yeah. So like, there is certainly that aspect to it. Um, so I feel like it's gotten lost a little bit in the shuffle. But Shane Steichen, again, he strikes me as a super super intelligent dude. He's very confident in himself. Um, whoa. We saw Nick Sirianni, uh not be able to handle that kind of early on. I think their temperaments are a little different on that end. Um, but that is certainly something to watch. You just had
2: a whoa. Was it something I said? Uh, Nick Bosa, five years, $170 million, guaranteed.
0: Those sound like big numbers.
2: The highest-paid defensive player in the history of the National Football League.
0: Does that have a Chris Jones? I mean, isn't that deserved, though? I mean, wasn't he just the MVP?
2: Yeah, he was just the defensive MVP, which is wild to me because wasn't T.J. Watt like a sack and a half or something away from Strand's record? I think Um,
0: team success has got to help.
2: Yeah, Travis Kelsey questionable uh, tomorrow officially against Detroit, and then Joe Burrow says he will be playing on Sunday.
0: Boom. Look, Um, Look at Eddie Garrison here with our ticker.
2: But, yeah, when you look at those 12 coaches and their quarterbacks, I'm going to list them all here real quick just for comparison's sake, for transparency. Sure. We've got Miami with Tua. Um, Cincinnati, Joe Burrow. Uh, obviously here with Richardson. Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. Kansas City, um, actually 13. I forgot about Denver. Russell Wilson. Uh, Kansas City with Mahomes. Uh, Rams, Stafford, maybe. I mean, I th- I believe he's starting. I haven't heard anything different. Uh, Brock Purdy in San Francisco, um, Bryce Young with Carolina, let's see, Tampa, no, New Orleans, no, Green Bay, LaFleur in love, uh, Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, and then Dallas, you've got Dak, and Philly, you've got Hertz. So yeah, none, none of those coaches have a project. I don't want to label him as a project, but a guy that has that needs as much development well, uh, and season.
0: And and again, it, it's just the threefold process of it, of... The head coach, the play caller, and you feel like you've got to guide this guy a lot. So many of those quarterbacks you named, you just don't have to guide anywhere near as much. So how Shane Steichen handles it all, obviously a storyline.
2: All right, two more answers at number 5. Pro Bowl defenders still there. Specifically, Kenny Moore, who is 28, and Shaq Leonard, who is the same age as Kenny Mo.
0: So we know Kenny Moore in a contract year. um, We know that there was a lot. You know, off the field, on the field, discussions with Gus Bradley, Chris Ballard. I mean, certainly some uneasy moments last season from him and in regards to his role without Matt Eberflus, all of those things. So um, when you have as young of a room as you do around Kenny Moore, it's just it's very, very important they get that Pro Bowl level back. And then with Leonard, Eddie, it's the harsh reality of how this league does move on. He's got to be a $20 million guy for you. If he's not a $20 million guy for you, then I think you have to have a very hard conversation with him after the season. And, Eddie, it's September 6th. I'm way too early on this, but hear me out. If Shaquille Leonard has a rough season and does not play like the $20 million linebacker that he's paid to be and the playmaking is not there... Uh, Because the playmaking has to be there. I think we all agree from a first, second, third down standpoint.
2: That's what made him
0: $20 million guy. Yeah. So he has to bring that for you. If he doesn't, then he's just not living up to it and he's not giving you the return on investment. And EJ Speed is probably a guy that offers a little bit more of a comparable type of player to him. So if he's not that, there is an out after this season contractually. And again, not to start fireworks on September 6th, but this is just the reality of conversations that at some point could be there. Who is Shaquille Leonard's agent?
2: Who is Jonathan Taylor's agent? Malky, what's his last name?
0: Can you imagine if the Colts got to a standpoint at the end of the season where they want to have a conversation with Malky Kawa on his client potentially taking a pay cut or potentially cutting his client and what that could do? To the relationship with Jonathan Taylor, again, we are a long ways away. Yeah, from getting there. But anytime you have a player that his game is so so predicated on that premium physical athletic traits like a 215 lineback- pound linebacker that Leonard is, and again, his rare playmaking is what makes him five years, 100 million. So the contract's through 2026. I mean, it is a lengthy, lengthy deal so is he playing every snap how is he playing you know right now he's currently still progressing through the concussion protocol I assume he plays on Sunday by the way um, but he's still pro- progressing through his second concussion in the last year and this one has kept him out for three weeks and last year that one kept him out for three weeks with a broken nose on top of it so you know these two guys Kenny Moore and Shaq Leonard they have been defensive mainstays in the Chris Bauer era
2: does that continue um, we've got some new light tweets from Malki Kawa.
0: I saw he tweeted about Taylor last night.
2: Yes. Uh, PFF put out a, a graphic of the most 10 plus yard run since 2021. Nick Chubb with 88, Jonathan Taylor with 71. He quote tweeted that said tweet and said, JT at JT 23 is a beast exclamation point hard to disagree with that right yeah and then he liked a tweet two tweets today one which would said i would be okay with 14 million dollars he's earned his money he should go he should be one of the highest paid offensive players but not reset the market the other was get it done with Jimmer saying hopefully JT gets healthy real ones want JT for life go colts
0: i just yeah i guess i'm going to pretend like i'm doing somebody else's job for a second i can't imagine being an nfl agent and having time to like tweets
2: Yep. I, like can you i mean or having the time to just downtime I, I i don't i mean search because like he's yeah. not mentioning it you yeah, i mean that, you would have to literally be searching j t or at j t that is a great point
0: yeah i'm very fortunate i have not been blessed with the brain of Kevin let's search my name endlessly and sounds like um random
2: sounds like a uh shaq Leonard though Maybe that's where you got it from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, final answer, contract answer for Michael Pittman Jr.
0: Yeah, again, I don't think we'll get something before the game starts or before yeah, game start on Sunday. But I guess this becomes the question, Eddie, throughout the year of how much does he prove himself? Is he that legit number one? I mean, Pittman Jr. wants to prove that he is that. Um, you know, he's been a little quieter. You know, I think part of that is his personality with the whole contract thing, but. What an important year for his future I mean he's going to get paid It's just—it's more of the how much is he going to get paid And obviously in my opinion He's a really important piece for the Colts Moving forward when you consider the position he plays And the development That is needed with Anthony Richardson So those are storylines For the 2023 season Wanted to get to that Eddie let's shift gears to Sunday 1 o'clock a 5 point favorite Colts and Jags Just a couple of Oh things. it's 5 now? I think it rose from four and a half to five. I saw the over under forty five. Okay. Um, you know, just odd trends to this series. I don't.
2: Week one unders are my favorite bets. For the for what it's worth.
0: Do you think they'll do a bluing of the canal on Friday to celebrate the ten year anniversary of the last season opening victory?
2: That or what is it? Year forty here.
0: Year forty, yeah. Uh, Friday is the ten year anniversary of the win over the Raiders. Um, I was looking it up earlier this week. There is not a single member of that Colts 53-man roster from that week one win.
1: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
0: Against the Raiders back in 2013, that is still playing in the NFL.
2: Um, Terrell face. Pryor was quarterback in the, Pryor, the Oakland Raiders.
0: Antoine Bethea with the big pick there to ice that one. Uh, home team has won 11 straight in this series.
2: The leading receiver in that game is now a coach on the Colts staff.
0: It was Reggie.
2: Yeah,
0: Andrew Luck. I remember that a big touchdown run. I remember Dwayne Allen broke his hip on a touchdown early in that game, and that start. Jack Doyle was inactive. That started Jack Doyle being a mainstay. Yeah. Just, I mean, obviously, just wild and stupid, useless. Now, remember
2: the Le- LaRon Le- Le- Landry?
0: Oh, I sure do.
2: Were his arms bigger than your head?
0: Oh my gosh, bigger, bigger than my whole, my whole body. He had a Hulk, little Hulk action figure, in his. He also had a pet monkey. Yeah,
2: <laughs> a pet monkey.
0: I know. We need to get him for Rosie's fourth birthday. Now that I think. Yeah, it. there you go. I think Jacksonville's got really good offensive balance, Eddie. Um, I think it's arguably the deepest wideout group you'll face all year. Uh, love ETN. I like Tank Bigsby when he was at um, Auburn there. Um, Defensively, I think for the most part, they're pretty solid at every level. Um, I don't think it's like an eye-popping group. For me, what stands out more than anything about Sunday, on paper, you should have one big advantage. You should have one really big advantage. Your D-line should whip their offensive line. I think their offensive line is a question mark and with no Cam Robinson for the first 4 weeks of the season. Yeah. Walker Little, their left tackle, a guy the Colts were not high on at all in the draft, is a little banged up as well. So prove it. I mean, it,
2: Who will be moving to guard when Cam Robinson comes back by the yeah, way, Yeah, there's been I
0: mean, yeah, he's not like this left tackle that've right. been grooming by any means. Uh, I think they've got is the rookie at right tackle, the kid from Oklahoma. I feel like they have another rookie that they're starting on their O-line. But nonetheless, your D-line has got to win that matchup. And again, on paper, I I feel like it should. I mean, you've invested so much draft pick money-wise, and you need to to help out your back end, too.
2: Anton Harrison is the name.
0: Is he the right tackle? Yes,
2: right tackle. So,
0: I mean, incredible youth at both tackle spots. And... Your D line should win, and it needs to win, Eddie, because we know what's going on on the back end, and it's a lot of youth dealing with a, you know, Daryl Baker Jr. on Zay Jones and Dallas Flowers on you know Christian Kirk or I guess Kenny Moore and Moore from a slot standpoint, and obviously what Calvin Ridley brings. So that will be a huge thing. I, I remember saying this when the schedule came out in May, Eddie. I think it's a huge advantage for the Colts getting Jacksonville Week One for I a couple too. reasons. They, it's Cam Robinson out for the first four games. Jim Bob Cooter strikes him as a dude that knows he was with Jacksonville last year he knows everything that dude is an encyclopedia I guarantee you he Anthony Richardson yesterday was the off day for players Richardson was in the building for eight hours I bet Jim Bob was just feeding him everything and the Colts know that's an advantage I mean Mike Caldwell their defensive coordinator Press Taylor uh Doug Peterson obviously it's not like Jacksonville had any staff turnover Of importance. So Jim Bob is going to know personnel, tendencies, all those things. I think that is a big advantage. But again, your D line has got to win. Last year in the two matchups, Trevor Lawrence completed 45 balls and had seven incomplete. 45 of 50 bleeping two in the two games against the Colts. 86%. In an actual Two actual football games. At least
2: he wasn't 87 or 90 or 100. Not 7 on on 7.
0: Yeah, it's not like Drew Brees was, what, 96 in that one game? Oh,
2: gosh. I still remember watching that Monday night game because that's when he broke the record, right?
0: Yep. So, disrupt timing. Can your D-line do that? You look back on last year's meetings, Eddie. You got shut out down there in Week 2. No Pittman and Pierce. That was the game where Matt Ryan got sacked a handful of times. Paris Campbell, the best play he had was an offensive pass interference penalty. Just... Abysmal. Now, when you came back here and you beat them in week what five or six, uh huh, that was a Dion Jackson started game.
2: Yeah, that was the big, big Dion Jackson game. He where he had, had just
0: for Jackson, he had twelve, I think, of your fifteen carries in that game. Michael Pittman had a huge game, thirteen for one hundred and thirty. Uh, obviously, Pierce had the. I mean, that was the best moment of the regular season, right? Pierce ice in that game.
2: My that guy, or Jelani play. against Kansas City.
0: you go to some Gilmore plays to maybe ice. Some that games, one against
2: Denver, Denver, yeah. Uh,
0: so, yeah, it's wild to me that the home team has won 11 straight. you got to go back to the Jacoby Brissett sack 10 times, and they shut you out here in 2017 for the last time the road team has won a matchup here. Um, so I, I think Jacksonville, um, I think it's a really good wideout group. Really good wideout group. I think they've got strong skill. And that's why your D line means
2: so much. Um, In game one, Jacksonville ran for 96 yards, averaged 2.6. In game two, they rushed for 243 and averaged 7.4. James Robinson on 54 and Etienne at 86. Mm.
0: Gosh, I'm looking at this Nick and Nick Bosa contract. Those are some eye poppy numbers there. Good for him. Uh, okay anything else Jacksonville related Eddie
2: I will say on the defensive side For them we were on the uh, On Queering Company On Tuesday afternoon uh, we had John Osher uh-huh. of uh, Jag, Jaguars.com yeah. He said if the Colts offensive line He wrote
0: a, a Cathedral High School golf article On us back in the
2: day Of course you would remember that he used to write for goals.com I know, but you remember the cathedral part of that, wouldn't you, because you were on the golf team? You were the headliner. Kevin Bowen. Uh,
0: sure, sure, sure. Uh, anyway. There are a but, couple quotes in there.
2: <laughs> from you?
0: From, from from myself, yes.
2: Okay. Self-promotion. See if you can find Self, you, yeah. Do you still have it on the fridge at That's home? That's
0: a great question. I think it's my, my mom made me a scrapbook when I graduated from uh, high school. I, I think it's somewhere in there.
2: Oh, I Go, go, Mama Bowen.
0: Go, Mama Bowen. I'm but, sure that's exactly what Maddie. You want to read this tonight? Can I read this to Rosie?
2: I'm sure that'll put her to sleep.
0: Yeah, that, that's a great point.
2: Um, but he said that if the Colts offensive line can hold up, uh, that there's room for the Colts wide receivers to exploit the secondary because outside of T- Tyson Campbell. Uh, he feels like the secondary is not that great. And I was looking at the numbers. They're about middle of the middle of the pack when it comes to completion percentage, but they surrendered the 5th most passing yards last year. So, I think there's a realm of possibilities where Anthony Richardson could have some success in the passing game. Um, and I think the two guys to watch out for, personally, I think will be... Either Kylen Granson or Will Mallory, one of those two will have a big day out of the tight end group because both those players have had a strong connection with Richardson in the two preseason games uh, that Richardson sues up. And then Evan Hole or Deion Jackson out of the backfield, those two are, to me are going to be the two to watch.
0: We'll see about Zach Moss. You know, Eddie coming back from practice today, Moss was not in a no contact jersey, he had like a little, you know, some sort of wrap padding on that left arm. He did like the, um, uh, he did the turnover gauntlet or the ball security gauntlet they go through, or you know all the coaches and staff members
2: smash are, him know, with medicine balls, smash him with
0: pads and everything. Um, but then when they did like the rotation of running backs, he he, he wasn't, you know, with the, it was Deion Jackson first and Evan Evan Hall. So um I'm not ready to say for sure that he's going to play just yet. So I'll, I'll continue to keep you updated on that, but um. Unless you've got anything else to add, and we'll see the injury report. We try to do this podcast right around when it'll come out. I think, unless I miss somebody, it looked like pretty much everybody
2: was practicing. EJ Speed cleared out of concussion EJ's protocol.
0: Cleared again. Leonard, I I assume he'll be cleared. I I don't know if the independent neuro is the final one to clear, but today was another practice that he was practicing without a red jersey on. I mean, he's he's it's not a no contact jersey. Everybody's out of the red in in practice. So. Um, we'll give our picks to round
2: things out. Okay, are we doing season or are we doing a game? Let's
0: well, let's go Twitter questions. Okay. And then let's let's continue to tease. The ultimate tease right here.
2: Wow, Kevin, look at you. You're tw- you're teasing on a podcast. <laughs>
0: By you're- the way, I think we just I think we just got the old in- injury report here, okay? Okay.
2: okay. You want to you got pull it pulled
0: up? Yeah, I got it pulled up. Okay. Uh guess how many Colts did not practice today? 1 0 All 53 practice, Zach Moss Limited, forearm is what they Officially listed at, Shaq Leonard Full
2: Mm. So he's got to be clearing soon Yes, I would,
0: again, I expect Him to play on Sunday, but that's just me And I I know very little
2: Twitter question number one comes from Chris, I want to win a Week One game, it's been almost a decade. <laughs> do you think Shane Steichen? Is this,
0: lets... is this Coach Jerry here? <laughs>
2: right, it could be. Uh, do you think Shane Steichen will let Anthony Richardson run wild if it will get us a Week One win, or do you think he tries to hide his hand?
0: Oh no, I think I think he's gonna. I I really think he's gonna let him loose. Now again, I mean, how much is it going to look like IU's offense on Saturday? Oh I, I gosh, don't, I don't think necessarily it is. <laughs> um He's going to run. Uh, eight and a half attempts at Florida, Eddie, okay? For Richardson per game. I saw last year Fields and Hurts were like right around 10. What do you think? If you had to go a per game carries for Anthony Richardson this year, what number are you going with? Per game? What number did you, you just say? Eight said, and a half at Florida. 10 was kind of where Fields and Hurts hovered around last year.
2: I'm hoping. Okay. Okay. Designed or in total? Because I think there are two different questions here. Well,
0: sure, sure. And, and I think that is a fair question. You know, what do you do? Do you get a handful of design and then he's scrambling for three or four more?
2: Yeah, so I would put it around nine. Yeah. I'll say about five to six designed a game and then you get about three scrambles.
0: It's kind of crazy to me. I know That's it's
2: 153 crazy. rush attempts, by the way. Yeah, boy. It seems That's a lot. large number.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a lot when you put it like that. You know, it was kind of crazy to me. When you think about, and I know this has been a general theme of mine here throughout the season, just the lack of support for Richardson. Like I, I did the depth chart thing earlier this week, mm-hmm. and I had a dozen takeaways on the depth chart. You can find that up on 1075thefan.com. Look at you. And I went back and thought to myself, okay, what did Andrew Luck have in that rookie season? And obviously the rookie skill guys around him you know, were huge, but you, know, you still had, what, 1,300-yard Reggie Wayne? I mean, Reggie was damn good in that twenty twelve season. And I've told you guys endlessly what I think about the um the Green Bay game specifically and what he did on that Sunday afternoon. Um but then you think back to even like Peyton's rookie year. And I know maybe this won't resonate to everybody, but I mean you had a you had a Marvin in his third season, you had Marshall Falk. You know a little bit into his career. You know Ken Dilger was a guy that was into his career. Torrance Small. I know it's not a household name, but like he was an important guy in that rookie season as well. And that's where I just look at the stuff around Richardson. I'm thinking, wait a minute, you're asking Anthony Richardson as a rookie to uplift a running back room right now. You would call one of the worst in the NFL. Yeah. You're asking him to uplift a wide receiver room right now that you would call. A bottom quartile room in the NFL? Yep. And a tight end room that I have some intrigue by, but no one can say right now they're a proven group by any means. Negatory. So that's where I'm just like, oh man, there is a lot on this kid's plate. A lot on this kid's plate.
2: Conroy. Do you think Chris Ballard hasn't built enough support around Anthony Richardson because he is stuck in his philosophy or because he has no experience building support around a rookie quarterback? He hasn't had to do this before. Andrew Luck had experience in the NFL, and every other quarterback was a stopgap year to year. Keep up the good work.
0: Yeah, I'd say stuck in philosophy. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the Ballard era now, seven years into it, I mean, the best pass catcher he has had... We're both Gregson guys. You know, if you want to label Hilton and Doyle. You know, we'll see if I don't know, maybe two to three years down the road, Pittman, Jelani Woods, whoever, somebody else changes that that conversation here. Um boy, Titus Howard on injured reserve. That's good news for the Colts heading into week two. Um so yeah, I, I would say I'd say stuck in philosophy more than anything on that.
2: Titus Howard has been placed on injured reserve for the Texans. He is out the first four games of the season.
0: I could have sworn I just said that. Did you? Is that an echo?
2: Sorry, I was reading a text while you were talking, so I literally could have just like not been paying attention. Uh, you know, for me,
0: I was texting Maddie earlier. Zero apologies from you, Eddie. I know you're gutting it out today. Thank
2: that's all good. Uh, Wyatt, if there is no long-term contract signed between now and week four, uh, what do you think the crowd reception for Jonathan Taylor will be in Lucas Oil Stadium? Whether that's the Titans game, which he thinks is unlikely, or the Cleveland Browns or New Orleans Saints, or even if he's on the sidelines for the game against the Jaguars.
0: Ooh, on the sidelines. Are we is that are we getting a little a booing of Andrew Luck situation there? Um Yeah, that yeah I don't see him being on the sidelines. I don't know. Maybe it's a question that I can ask. Shane Steichen on Friday. Um
2: He wasn't on the sidelines in Philly.
0: No. Uh, per Nate Atkins, he was
2: nowhere to be seen until after the game. He was the first one out of the locker room.
0: I assume whichever game he makes his debut, you would not announce the offense for that game, and then as soon as he rushes for 100 yards, everything's fine.
2: Right? So what I, I, I mean, I
0: I guess there would be some boos, but like, I don't know, if he gets a two-yard loss to start the game, does everyone start booing? I, I don't know, maybe— I. I I shouldn't be that naive. There will be some booze, but if but, you run, score, win, the booze will quickly subside.
2: I don't know about you, but most of the things that I've seen are fans supporting Jonathan Taylor and wanting
0: Oh, really? I think Ballard
2: and to step up and pay. I I think it's about 50-50.
0: Really? I would say it's like 70-30, 80-20. I think fans are like uh, he's turned into spoiled. His agents gotten a hold of him. He's greedy. Blah blah blah. That I feel like that is the majority. I hear more than the reverse of it.
2: Hmm. I, I,
0: guess, I I could be wrong.
2: I guess it depends on your Twitter timeline. Sure, yeah. Because mine's yeah. The, the latter, not the former.
0: Uber positive timeline over there from. I guess so. Eddie Garrison.
1: Two questions. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
2: Left. Clayton, do you think part of Jonathan Taylor's situation is caused by Chris Ballard's unwillingness? to get creative with the cap and contracts the way other teams have. Some of these contracts with less of a cap hit and bigger bonuses seem like a potential solution in my eyes.
0: I really think it's more market value than anything, Clayton, um, to be honest with you. And again, I think some of the, in general, Colts' approach to their contracts, not the cap, their contracts, is a little bit more Ursa-driven. Yeah, I think I mentioned this before. If you were to rank the 32 owners on how rich they are and how willing they are to just spend upfront money, I would not put Jim Mercer in the upper quartile. Now, again, all of that is taken with a grain of salt. I'm comparing him to the other 31 owners in the league. Um, But I also think Chris Ballard has been extremely stringent, borderline stubborn, in how he defines market value and is unwillingness to deviate from that like again when you walk into free agency you're what's an expensive store out there eddie garrison
2: oh what are we going for kb what are we shopping for
0: you're shopping for clothing i'm a big old navy guy i call that reasonable yes um buckle but i i don't know buckle should i know buckle there sounds like a dog and a bedazzled
2: jeans disney
0: Okay, I walk Their into Their jeans buckle. are very expensive. I walk into Buckle. I better know what I'm walking into. And that's I think how free agency it. Like if you want to get better, and I say that in quotes, but if you want to find some proven notable talent, you're gonna have to walk into buckle. Old Navy's not open yet. So that's where you're at. I I'm gonna stick with old Navy though.
2: Yeah. That's not good for the uh for the comparison you just made there.
0: No, that's not. Should we give a Super Bowl pick, by the way?
2: Oh gosh, no. Why not? Actually, hold on. Yeah. Let's see if you do the Raiders again. That way I can just <laughs> Did I do
0: Cowboys or Raiders? Hold actually?
2: it over your head. I'm sick with remember. the Cowboys. I can't remember though. I'm sick of the Cowboys. Really? Cowboys beat. Gosh, KB, come on now.
0: Cowboys beat. I don't know if they're going to win, though.
2: Um, Let's see
0: here. Boy, I'm torn on the AFC, man. Torn on it.
2: I don't know who to pick out of the NFC. What
0: do you think, Jets, Cowboys? Oh, boy. Does that just make you want to bash your head against the wall?
2: Rodgers and Jerry Jones?
0: (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Let's just embrace it. Let's go there. Kevin Bowen right here. Jets, Cowboys.
2: Clipped, saving now. Do you have one that you can't leave me out to dry here? Um, you're putting me on the spot. Well, I don't like podcast. It. Um, we can't have that many Twitter questions yet. Do, do you, you want to ask left. the next Twitter question? We have so one left. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I will do. Gosh, ah, uh, man, I'll I'll take. I guess I'll take San Francisco and helps Brock Purdy can make it with him. Have fun cheering
0: for Brock Purdy.
2: Um, and Well, my dad's a 49ers fan, so I wanted to see it for him more so than flip Brock Purdy. Uh, AFC-wise? I could flip a coin, right? Until proven otherwise, Kansas City. Boo. Boring. Sorry. All right, we, we got any more left. Yeah, Wake Spike, he is up. Uh, last Twitter question. Every media outlet I've seen has been praising Shane Steichen for his work with Anthony Richardson all preseason. Meanwhile, I've not heard much of anything about Chris Ballard that is positive. Is Chris Ballard's seat getting hotter? Or is Jim Irsay moving into a Jerry Jones type of role where the front office is more a figurehead than decision maker? Have a great long weekend. This must have been sent in mm-hmm. last week.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of typical once the draft simmers down. You, you hear mostly from the head coach. I mean, you know, it's draft, support, develop. Well, the development part is all in Steichen. And right now you're in developmental period. You aren't really in major support period. Obviously the draft is, you know, when it is. Um, you know, it, as far as Ballard hot seat, again, we had Bob Kravitz on our morning show earlier this week. And Bob... Um, He's got the Colts at two or three wins. And wow. So I said to Bob, I go, okay, under that hypothetical, does Chris Boward retain his job? Eddie, I can't imagine in NFL history you've ever had a GM in year six or seven win four and then three games and maintain his job without a division title on that resume with one playoff win on that. Like, there's no way, right? I don't think so So this is me thinking But I get what Bob was saying Bob's put himself in Ursae's shoes And I agree I don't think Ursae would all of a sudden Just pull the plug Just to do it So um, Yeah I I don't think the seat is very hot Even if the record got as ugly as That would Eddie Garrison I'm putting you on this, uh, on the hot seat I need picks from you I need an AFC Super Bowl pick
2: I just gave it to you You said who? Kansas City
0: God, my head is
2: okay. I won't go. All right, I won't go chalk with Kansas City. I'll give you someone else.
0: Bash me in the head after that. Baltimore, I
2: mean,
0: you and I both are struggling right now in the pot. Okay, Baltimore, our Super Bowl picks just horrific. Um, okay, I've got Jets and Cowboys, you've got Ravens and 49ers. Sunday pick for the Colts, five point spread. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. 27 20 Jags.
2: Kind of has a close one,
0: huh? Yeah, I I'd like to think the D line shows up a little. Okay, I'm really super curious to see how Jacksonville spies Richardson.
2: I am too. Um I will go Jags thirty one Colts seventeen.
0: Okay. That's a that's a big cover for Jacksonville there. I am a and big you've got the o- over right 45 is what we said for over under
2: yeah and I literally just said um, unders are one of my favorite bets in week one <laughs> of the of preseason
0: uh, do you want to give the win loss prediction first or do you want me to
2: um, since you went first with the prediction of the season or the game I'll do the season prediction for me um, I have them winning five
0: anything more to add on why five
2: i think it's a i think it's just a number where it's like you can you look at their schedule and you say oh yeah they can they can split with tennessee possibly they could split with houston possibly they could sweep houston possibly then there's also like they could beat vegas in week 17 because vegas could be mailing it in and jimmy g could not be out there so you could be facing Aiden o'connell uh what does tampa bay look like and that's coming off your bye week how does is is it baker mayfield still or is kyle trask the starting quarterback um how does carolina look with bryce young is bryce young still in one piece by week nine so i mean there's going to be a game in there or two where they will win a game they're not supposed to win there will be games where that you think they're going to win that, that they will lose and with vegas having it at six and a half I'm just not sold on the secondary of the Colts, and based off of the schedule of some of these quarterbacks and receivers they have to play, um, I'm not very optimistic on being able to keep up with teams.
0: Um, I'm going to go with seven.
2: Okay. Any particular reason why? I think the schedule's a joke. Um, I do agree with you on that.
0: You know, you laid out some of the reasons why, Eddie. I mean, when you break down the game-by-game approach— I, okay, Okay, Sunday. What, what do you consider Sunday one of the harder games on the Colts schedule? Yeah, yeah, I would agree.
2: One three week one one yeah.
0: I mean, Balt at Baltimore and at Cincinnati are the two hardest.
2: At and Jacksonville then, too.
0: Yeah, and then at Jacksonville, home to Jacksonville, I'd probably put also up there. I, I don't really know what else I'd necessarily group in that top tier. But let's just call it one of the five toughest games that you'll that you'll have all the season. They're a five point underdog. In one of the five toughest. So that means they have 12 games that they theoretically will be less than a five-point underdog. And, I mean, in a kind of a field goal flip I, I You just laid out some of the quarterbacks, man. Just go through the schedule. And this is if these guys are starting in the game. And if, if you know, Richardson goes down, it's not like they're running out there just some bum. Right. You know? I... I, I you know, Minshew can still get it done to some degree. So, I don't know. Call me crazy. I have 7 and 10, but I have them winning the last three. The last three is uh, Falcons, Raiders, Texans. So, to your point, I mean, Desmond Ritter. I mean, at that point, there's no way Garoppolo's is still starting, right? I mean, hell, <laughs> it very well could be Aiden O'Connell. Mm-hmm. Aiden O'Connell, then what? Stroud? A- and So, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm going with 7.
2: I mean, I can. I see them getting to 7
0: which i feel like i'm a, i'm kind of on the high end of my media colleagues with that. Big time high end. I mean, cer- certainly Kravitz and Doyle.
2: Internally, i don't i i hope they don't get there.
0: Oh, sure. I mean, trust me, the best case scenario is what, 4? Best best case scenario is yeah, 3 or 4 Richardson somehow is the one that's carrying you to 3 or 4 wins and your i guess your defense would look horrible then. And then you um yeah. And then you have a top three pick.
2: I want to see Marvin Harrison Jr. in Indianapolis. That's what I want to see, Kev.
0: He is Eddie Garrison. I am Kevin Bowen. Uh, one final time, Eddie, Did The pick him.
2: voice crack? I know. It's been one of those days. You man. going through puberty again, man? Yeah, I don't
0: know if I went full voice crack, but it definitely was teetering on it there. I had to, I had to watch my inflection here to <laughs> round things out. You got anything
2: else, man? Uh, no, I, I will tweet I'm out the link. I'm nervous about
0: Notre Dame on Saturday. Uh, really? At NC State.
2: Why are you nervous? I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a road game. You got to trust Sam Hartman.
0: He's played there before, hasn't he? Well, but, I mean, it's not Cupcake Central here like it was the first two weeks. And Hartman we trust. Everybody have a great week, weekend as well. Enjoy Sunday, and uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. Kevin's Corner signing off.